0: Welcome to GM Street, part of the Ringer Podcast Network. I am Tate Frazier, and on the line, live from New Jersey, Mr. Mike Lombardi. Week 10's in the books. Lombardi, how you doing?
1: I'm good, Tate Frazier. Good. Long day of football. Good day, you know. Got to see the Giants play the 49ers. That was really entertaining. I mean, that was, that was fun to watch. And then, you know, the poor Jets, poor Mickey. You know, they couldn't do anything. They they struggled to get anything going, and Tampa came away. Tampa hadn't sacked anybody all year, and today all of a sudden they became the the sack machine and started sacking Josh McCallum. So, unfortunately, but it was a good day of football. we got a lot to talk about, my man.
0: It was the Ryan Fitzpatrick revenge game that we all wanted. So, I'm glad he got that out.
1: The play of the game (laughs) game was Josh McCallum throws an interception, and then on the very next play, Ryan Fitzpatrick, not to be outdone, throws an interception right back to the Jets. It was that kind of day in football. I mean, but there's so many games. I mean, the Redskins game, Minnesota game was like I know your boy Jay Gruden. I'm going to give him to you. He's your boy. He's going to rip. He's going to rip Cousin for some. But they do some of the dumbest things in football. And when they watch their season, the Washington Redskins watch their season this off season. Their inability to convert third and one is going to be the death of, their, of, of the reason why they don't make the playoffs, or even competitive
0: team it's it's a it's a wild thing to see this week i mean we even had the dj swearinger play where he almost fumbles the ball for a touchback that happened three or four times a day which was, it was just a total weird day in football we saw some strange things happen across the across everywhere the, the strangest thing i saw i would say is ben mcadoo not wearing the uh the camouflage for veterans day he just wore his black get up because he's too big for that too too big for the camouflage yeah. our boy ben mcadoo well, he didn't
1: want to jinx him he was having a lot of luck in, the, <laughs> in that uniform
0: you know He's the Johnny, he's the Johnny Cash of coaching.
1: Yeah, I mean, shoot, one year in, in Cleveland, the year we won, won, won all those games, I was wearing the same pants every week to the game. Like, I am not changing this shit. Like, I'm going to the game with this, okay? I'm sure McAdoo felt the same way. He had a nice losing streak going. He wasn't going to give it up.
0: Absolutely. Let's talk. Oh, that's, wrong. That's, the,
1: that's the wrong losing streak. I, I, gotta,
0: okay. I think it's the opposite of that. He uh, he didn't quite get the memo there. Um, let's talk about the five, yeah. the five performances that jumped out to you this week. Let's start with the New Orleans Saints. I mean, they go up to Buffalo. We thought that Buffalo may show some fight this week. There was a weird Thursday night game against the jets that they didn't really show up for but the new orleans saints they're the class of the, the nfc south right now and they look like a legitimate contender uh in the nfc overall
1: you know the thing that's striking to me about it was the fact that they did it really without breeze having like a great day mm-hmm. like it wasn't breeze's unbelievable day you know they controlled the pace of the game they went up there they played complimentary football they, they kept their defense off the field they ran the ball at buffalo buffalo lives on turnovers Buffalo lives on making playing good in the red area and those two areas I mean the Saints turned the ball over one time but for the most part you know the Saints were able to run the football on Buffalo they didn't turn the ball over and they didn't make stupid mistakes and and, and, you know you got to give it look when you put a streak together like the Saints are in terms of the numbers they're doing defensively at some point you just got to say hey they're playing really well and I keep hearing and I think this is a good thing I keep hearing how much they are a team and how the locker room's really going well. Because I've never been a part of a team uh, that was a good team that didn't have a good locker room. And I think that's what the Saints finally have now, is they finally have a good locker room.
0: And we have Mark Ingram goes for 131 yards. We have Alvin Kamara, he goes for 106 yards. Combined, they have four touchdowns together. Kamara's a, a threat in the passing game. He looks like he could be the rookie of the year at this point. It just seems like all things are clicking for the Saints. Sean Payton seems like he's really engaged. We had a couple years where, you know, it just seemed like he was almost not even there at times. And I don't know, this Saints team, they look pretty scary and they can obviously put up a lot of points. And on the other side of things, the Buffalo Bills, you know, I don't really know what's going on there. Obviously, we saw uh, Peterman today, Nathan Peterman. I didn't know if we'd watch him play football this season. Of course, it finally happened today and it was as ugly as expected, but um, Yeah, I mean, what do you say for the McDermott and the Bills? I mean, they had that hot start, and now they're just sort of uh, uh, falling by the wayside.
1: I think if they don't get turnovers, they can't do it. And I I think people played them. You know, the Jets didn't turn the ball over. New Orleans, for the most part, didn't turn the ball over. I think where New Orleans has really improved, their offensive line now, Armstead's back at left tackle. Mm -hmm. Their offensive line is controlling the line of scrimmage, and I think they dominated the Buffalo Bills. I thought Buffalo going into the game – could get pass rush. I thought they could get some pressure. I didn't think the Saints would be able to run the football on them. And I thought playing at home, the Bills could really dominate the line of scrimmage. But it was the opposite. I mean, Armstead back, that offensive line really was really outstanding. And, I mean, they dominated the game, and they were the reason for the win. And I think this is why the Saints are so good right now. Buffalo, you know, they're, they're an 8-8 team. I mean, unfortunately, that's what they are. They don't have enough of a passing game. They really don't can't control line of scrimmage on defense. And if they don't turn the ball over, if you don't lose the game, they're going to have a hard time winning. And I think that's what's happened today. The Saints were not losing the game.
0: Well, let's talk about a team that seems to always find a way to lose the game, and that's the Los Angeles Chargers. They go into Jacksonville today. They were up 17 14 late. Looks like all things were going well. Blake Bortles doing Blake Bortles things, uh, throwing interceptions to hey, trade Boston. I uh, mean, Blake Bortles, Blake Bortles was <laughs> unbelievable today. I mean, it was truly amazing. He had 51 pass attempts, Lombardi. How is that possible?
1: Well, I mean, and, and I don't know how you called passes with them. I would have been scared to death to call a pass with them. It was unbelievable. I mean, the sequence in the game when they got a chance to send the game to overtime the first time. Thank God that Doug Marone's really good at time management because Marone had three timeouts. So when, 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 when Blatanic throws the interception, that basically San Diego could have sealed the game. And Phillip Rivers now is pissed off because he's mad that he didn't get a chance to throw the ball in third and sixth. They ran it. They used the last timeout that Marone kept, which was really a smart move, Mm -hmm. and they were able to get the ball back, and then they made some horrendous plays. I mean, Joey Bosa's uh, 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 unnecessary roughness on the quarterback was deadly. I mean, really, Marquise Lee and Bortles did everything in their power to help lose the game for Jacksonville. They just The Chargers just couldn't take it. They just couldn't take it. Marquise Lee, like, if that would have been a road game, it would have been one of those games where you want to leave leave at the visiting stadium. I mean, you know, he's got a pass interference call in the end zone Yep, that looks like it's going, you know, and he starts celebrating like it's some kind of thing. <laughs> he, he starts toning Trey Boston. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and they pick up the flag. And now all of a sudden, he's fit, now he puts 15 yards back on, on the great uh, blatant. I mean, the thing about Jacksonville that's remarkable is their defense is really good. I mean, they can run the football. But there's no way come playoff time that that's going to work. That Botanic is going to have to play in a game, and he's horrible. I mean, he was so bad today. It was only the Chargers that could really lose the game. And really, you know, I, and and then this is so bad. I mean, Jackson was a little bit undisciplined here. This is like they're running wild. They get they hit the interception, and they take it down, and then they get a personal foul. They get an conduct, like and they have to move it back. And that kick that went through Tate Frazier, that was a lucky kick to go. It didn't look like it was going through ever.
0: Yeah. It took forever. It hung up in the air. How about Phil Rivers with that big hit on the two yard line to save the touchdown? Oh, that was a big boy. tackle. Yeah.
1: Well, I mean, it was, it was a big boy. He put his big boy pants on on that one. But Uh, I mean, look, Jacksonville's finding a way to win. I mean, and you got to take your hat off them. I don't know how good the chargers are. Like the question I keep asking watching the chargers is if Belichick were coaching the chargers, what would their record be? First of all, that's really what we should do on GM Street on Thursday. Is what would the record be of these teams if Belichick coached them?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Like, and then like, what would the record be of the Denver Broncos if Belichick coached them? Or what would the record be of the, you know, the Dallas Cowboys? That's really the one. Like, what would that record be? Do you think that? Well, we'll talk about that later. Go ahead.
0: We'll get we'll get to that later. I will say this: If Bill Belichick was coaching the Chargers, Austin Eckler would have gotten the ball a lot more. Another rookie running back, uh, a little like young Danny Woodhead. <laughs>
1: It's unbelievable. I mean, it's really unbelievable. But, you know, the Chargers, did. you know, they have a chance to win the game. And I'll I tell you, if Kate, Frazier, I didn't see that. You know, uh, Gibson, uh, he, he, but he picked up the fumble to ran it in for a touchdown. I never saw anybody contact him. They called it a touchdown on the field, and then they called it a uh, – and then they called it uh, – they said he was touched. But I could ever. did you ever see that?
0: Yeah, I remember they did the – they went to Blandino right on that replay review, and they said they got a hand on him. Yeah, I didn't hear it. Yeah, yeah, I think that's what they said. But yeah, it, that was a cl- that game at the end. There were so many times where I thought the game was over, like when Trey Boston got that second pick and he goes to the sideline with his hands up and, and he basically taunts Marquise Lee after he just had the taunting penalty. Feel so like the game was going to be over, and then they come back. They don't go for it on third and six. They run the ball like you said, the Marone play, and then somehow, if you had just stopped watching that game with three minutes left and you said it went to overtime and the Jaguars won, I would have had a lot of questions. But then I would have realized it was you know the Los Angeles Chargers and. That's kind of yeah. how they do things, unfortunately, for Phil Rivers.
1: It just goes under it goes under one area, like it's the Chargers. This is who the, <laughs> this is who the Chargers are.
0: That's just a Chargers football this is game. The Chargers. <laughs> Let's talk about a team that uh, that's doing pretty well in the NFC North, and that is the Minnesota Vikings. This was a really fun game. They go into Washington today, um, and Case Keenum puts up four TDs. Teddy Bridgewater, Bridgewater, this is his first game back in 15 months. He's on the sideline. Every you know that ended up being the big story, but Case Keenum. Pretty much puts it out there that he is the quarterback of the Minnesota Vikings for now. There's going to be a lot of questions swirling around. I know Zimmer was getting you know asked questions after the game about who their quarterback is, but I think Keenum made a pretty big statement today. If I do say so myself,
1: I think he did. I think he did too, Tate. I mean, I mean, look, let's face it. I mean, Case Keenum has played. Other than we have a memory of Sam Bradford from Week One, which was really impressive. The game he played against the Saints before he got injured, it was probably Bradford's signature game, and that's kind of lingered in our memory. But Case Keenum has played better than Bradford, other than that game, in his career in Minnesota. I mean, Case Case Keenum had two bad picks today, dumb picks. I mean, he threw the ball late to Swearinger out there, Mm -hmm. who almost turned it back over. And then he threw one up, which I'm not sure what the heck he was trying to do on that. But, I mean, Minnesota put 38 points on and really never slowed them down. I mean, he still had over 100 quarterback rating with two interceptions. And Diggs is a good player. Adam Thielen was unbelievable catching the ball. His quickness, his his size. I think that really the most – the unsung hero is Tony Sperano. I mean, he's done an incredible job with the offensive line in Minnesota. Now, I know they spent some money and they got better, but these guys are blocking better. They go on the road. Now, Washington's a beat-up team. I think Washington – is really uh, just way too beat up to compete and win. They'll probably go into New Orleans and beat them because this is usually Washington does the opposite of what you think they should do. Mm-hmm. Like they should have won today. They had a chance in this game. You know, they just they just don't manage the clock very well. They don't play complimentary football, and then they're really bad. They are really, really bad. And I respected this about Minnesota today. Minnesota went up-tempo, which I didn't think they were going to do because of Case Keenum playing on the road. But the the Achilles heel of the Redskins is their inability to play two-minute defense. They're not very good at playing fast, playing tempo. They can't get into their checks. They can't play check with me defense when they have to play their two-minute. And when that happened and Minnesota went to it, they went right down the field. I think Minnesota, they're good in two of the three phases. They're hard to play. They're tough as hell. I think the Redskins are, are really, you know, I know your boy Jay is going to blame somebody. I'm just not sure who's going to blame this week. We should play that game as well.
0: Yeah, he's definitely going to blame Kirk Cousins. That That's the go-to plan. That's always going to be his plan. Yeah, I think until, so. until Cousins leaves, I think so. that's going to be his plan.
1: I think so. And he's going to have Andy Dalton. Yeah, that's right. He'll get ready for Andy Dalton. Andy Dalton had a 110 quarterback rating today, but his team couldn't, you know, but they still couldn't win. <laughs> So, you know, it's like you sit there and you say, wait a minute, he can't play any better than he's playing right now, and we still can't win. We're in trouble.
0: Yeah, it's it's a lot of problems there. Uh, The Washington Redheads will be a lot of fun next season, though. Um, Let's keep it moving. Let's talk about a guy that comes down and gets the win for the Tennessee Titans, and that's Marcus Mariota. Uh, A long drive, a winning drive here with a two-minute offense, DeMarco Murray scores uh, the late touchdown for, for the Titans. They get a big win in that division, and they look like they can make a run for the AFC South now. Mariota looked like the guy that everyone thought he would be when he came out in 2015, and uh, it, that was a pretty fun game for the Titan fans, for sure, in Nashville on a rainy day.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think this is who, the, who they are. This is a team, they have to run the ball uh, and he's got to be one of the lead runners. I mean, I think Henry led the team in rushing. He was second. Mariota was second. But when he can run, he's one of the best second down rushers in the league. You got to really be alert for him on second down. It's kind of like he's their get back on track runner, mm-hmm. and they run Mariota, and he led the team back. And I mean, those are good things. I mean, look, they're not an explosive team. But one thing about Tennessee that you have to give them credit for, and I don't think they're a talented team, but I think they have played together as a unit and they believe in one another, and, you know, they find a way not to lose the game. They're going to find a way to win the game, which they did, and Mariota has made some plays. I mean, if he doesn't get hurt, I'm sure they're going to beat Miami down there when they had to play Matt Castle. So this is a team that they're on a win streak, they're playing better, and, you know, the Bengals just can't get out of their own way. I mean, the Bengals just can't quite find a way to, you know, close out games. They can't find a way to get a stop on defense or make a play on offense. It's just
0: bad. And we should say Delaney Walker. When Delaney Walker's a threat down the field and he's making big plays and he obviously was involved in the offense today, that takes them to a different level on offense. They have an actual threat. And uh, he told this great story, that you know, Nance told this great story about Walker, how you know, he loved all these other sports, but he quit wrestling because a, a, a girl pinned him in school and that, that, that tipped him that that wasn't quite his thing you know, for wrestling. So I love when we get little sidebar stories uh, from Jim Nance about Delaney Walker. That lets you know that he's really involved okay. in the game for once. So that was fun.
1: Oh, there's there's nobody better. Nance is great. I mean, when he walks around the golf course, you ever go to a golf tournament where Nance is there, he's always talking to the golfers. He knows everybody's mother's name. I mean, he's incredible. He's on the driving range. I mean, he can tell stories upon stories. He truly is America's guest. He's amazing.
0: Absolutely. Uh, And finally, our guy. Big Ben Roethlisberger comes back with the Steelers, gets a nice uh, a nice win over the Indianapolis Colts in Indiana today. Um, had two TDs, 236 yards, Le'Veon, 26 carries. It looked like the Steelers team. And let's just say this, Juju Smith-Schuster, the youngest guy in the league, I mean, he just looks explosive. I think he averaged like 20 yards per catch today. Um, it, it was a wild game for the Steelers, and they look like a real Super Bowl contender at this point. They're just figuring things out. Yeah. I mean, it's not the prettiest, but they're they're just winning games.
1: Yeah, I think that's most important. I mean, look, this this is a team that plays down to the level of competition. I mean, and that's what they did today. I mean, they have no business being this close. They should have really dominated the game. But the but the Colts played one of their best games of the season. Mm-hmm. I really think the Colts played one of their best games. They were they were doing a good job of bottling Bell in the running game. They did a good job of him in the passing game. I mean, Schuster just makes some plays. Schuster gives this offense a dimension. And, uh, you know, I think that was – you know, people say, well, you, you know, you're 11-point, 12-point favorite, whatever the hell you were going into that game. But for me, you know, those are hard games to win when you go in somebody else's stadium and you can win the game. They found a way to win, and uh, they're hard to do at times, especially in November where teams kind of back up. And, you know, this is a coaching staff that knows they're on the – that knows they have to win games to, to keep their jobs. So, you know, it's a, it's a good win. Look, one thing about the NFL, don't ever worry about whether you win-loss or how much you win. The Russian judge isn't going to evaluate the we'll win you just get the win in the win column and that's what they did
0: and what does it say about Big Ben for him to make the you know he looked like the old Big Ben that we're used to seeing today he made some big plays down the field you know avoided some some problems in the pocket uh, he just looked like vintage Ben Roethlisberger so that's nice to see if you're a Steelers fan
1: yeah No, I mean, that's the thing. I mean, you know, look, uh, I feel bad for the Colts. I mean, Jack Doyle last year got this big contract because he caught Mm -hmm. everything that touched his hand. (laughs) And then today he has the job for the interception. I mean, like Jack Doyle's had more drops this year than I ever think. I don't understand how it's happened, but it's really remarkable how he can't really hold on to the ball because he's got good hands and, you know, that play. But, you know, look, Ben's a winner. You never want to play a guy like Ben where you give him the ball with the last... They just know what to do with the ball when they get it there. And he can make enough plays, and he can get himself in the right play, and he understands the pressure moment. Take your hat off to him. I mean, the Steelers, stick, stick away from a win. It wasn't pretty, but like you said, it's a win.
0: Yep. All right, Lombardi, let's get to your favorite segment of the week. But first, let's get a word from our sponsor, Home Depot. They say life... There were no guarantees. They say there's no sure thing. Well, I'm here to tell you there might just be one exception. In 1924, Husky started making things for people who make things, and they did it with common sense. That meant adding function, never frills, and making tools that stood the test of time. 93 years later, Husky is still making quality, crafted, durable tools like the Husky Ratchet with a 100-position ratcheting design and a 10% longer handle than standard ratchets to do what other ratchet can't, or the virtually unbreakable Husky Flashlight with the ability to withstand a 30-foot drop and work in up to one meter of water submersion, both guaranteed for a lifetime but built so you won't need it. Now, that's a pretty sure thing. To Husky, that's common sense. Learn more at huskytools.com. Husky common sense tools since 1924 with hand tools guaranteed for a lifetime found only at the Home Depot. All right, Lombardi, let's talk about these narratives. A lot of stuff going on this week. Uh, the top narrative that you have uh, going into the NFL Media Week. Well, I
1: think the top one. I mean, I said I've been back in Philadelphia. I think it's it's you know, they're already planning the Super Bowl parade in Philadelphia, just so you know. I don't know if you're aware of this. They've already planned it. <laughs> they already have planned it. And that's gonna be the narrative for the whole week. Is is anybody really better than Philly? That is gonna be the narrative. And I think that's, you know, pretty much, you know, what what you're gonna hear is because based on, you know, Dallas losing today, you know, the Redskins losing today and the Giants being as god-awful as they are, I mean, there's nobody in the East going to give them competition. I think Minnesota and New Orleans are good teams, don't get me wrong, but I think everybody sees Philly as way above them, even though Philly, you know, Cam Newton had one of his worst days of the year, and Philly was right there. They lose Keekly in that game. But right now, I think the narrative is, when are we going to build the Super Bowl? When's the Super Bowl trophy uh, uh, going to the the Eagles. When we're we going to have the presentation,
0: we need a Doug Peterson statue ASAP. Uh, just looking ahead exactly. at, some, at some of their games, I mean, they have the Cowboys next week, obviously. Then they have the Bears, uh, which should be a win. Then they have Seahawks, Rams, Giants, Raiders, Cowboys. So that's how they end up the, se- end up the season. So, I mean, yeah. There, there are some teams, obviously some uh, playoff teams ahead, that we'll see if they're a legitimate contender. But there's also some games, obviously, with the Bears and you know even the Raiders and the Giants uh, that they can sneak some wins in and, and really boost. Uh, I mean, they, they should be the number one seed in the NFC if if all things play out according to plan at this point. So maybe they are right.
1: It, it would be hard to think they wouldn't be at least the one or the two seed, right? I mean, yeah. it would be hard to think that's not going to happen, right?
0: Yeah, absolutely. It, it all checks out for the Eagles fans. So fly, Eagles, fly.
1: My other narrative is, you know, I heard this on TV before the Patriot game was, you know, that Ben McAdoo could get fired as early as Monday. I mean, like, anybody who wants to predict when McAdoo's going to get fired, you know, you're not a savant. Like, one thing we know for sure based on losing to an 0-19 today, mm-hmm. you're, McAdoo's going to get fired. Like, they fired, they fired Ray Hanley for a disaster, and this is a bigger disaster than Ray Hanley. So, you know, they're going to fire him. You can predict whatever day it's going to be, but he's going to get fired.
0: Does it... I mean, when you have the owner in the building to watch you lose to a team that is completely defeated, that has no wins on the season, I mean, does that add more insult to injury and, you know, basically speed up the timeline? Because everyone was saying since Mara was there in the building to watch, you know, Ben McAdoo lose this game to the 49ers and almost, you know, be even more embarrassed uh, that it would expedite the whole process, that he might not even make the, you know, the plane ride back to New York. But as of now, as it stands, Sunday night, um, Ben McAdoo was still the head coach of the New York Giants. Uh, he seemed pretty much dejected at this point, and he, you know, Ben is Ben. he's going to have the exact same face. We we've seen that, but I don't know. It seems like it's a ticking time bomb at this point. And actually I was pulling up, a, you know, our little show notes for each week and the past three weeks, we've had Ben Ben McAdoo on the hot seat. So eventually we will be right. And he will be gone. We, we yeah, can't somebody, say that definitively. I mean, definitively. I'm blaming
1: us too, right? Cause you have to be, everybody's, everybody's on the hot seat. But here's the thing. I think that's pretty clear is Mara's always gone to the games and, the decision for for Mara is really, these are easy decisions. These aren't hard. Like, this isn't like a hard decision. You know, the team looks like they're playing better. I mean, look, Eli wasn't the best quarterback on the field today. C.J. Beathard was. Mm -hmm. I mean, at some point, you're going to have to accept that. Like, at some point, Giants fans are going to have to swallow that. You know, and the other fact of the matter is, is that, you know, this is, it's over with. I mean, McAdoo, the, the Giants front office have no choice. But to relinquish the duties of McAdoo. They just have no—I mean, he's fired himself with the performance of the team. So whatever you think, it's an easy decision for the owner.
0: Let's uh you mentioned this before. We want to talk about the clapper a little What's bit. What's
1: your narrative? I want to hear your I want to and, hear your narrative. No, I got I'm saving it for the clapper. I've been I don't want
0: I don't to want to peak too early on the clapper. Well, that's why I wanted to bring this up cuz that's my narrative. I think a lot of stuff's going to go on this week with the Cowboys and a lot of people are going to be asking a lot of questions. What is this team? You know, the offense seems stagnant at this point. What's going on with Dak? Why can't they figure this all out? And there's going to be one man to blame and that's the clapper himself, Jason Garrett. I think we're going to hear a lot of stuff about Jason Garrett. I think Sean Payton dominating with the Saints only adds you know more intrigue to the whole idea that he could end up in Dallas at some point like people have said for the past five or six years ever since he won that first Super Bowl in 2010 Um, I think Jason Garrett I think the heat's gonna get turned up on him and he's gonna have to answer some questions because even after this game today you know they show him he goes up to Dan Quinn he's doing that weird creepy smile where you know the I call it the Scientologist smile where you just have a straight face where nothing will affect you at any point Uh, look like David Miscavige he just shakes his hand and seems pretty happy go lucky about everything but that was a that was a bad loss for them I mean that that Hurts our Wild Card uh, odds. So I don't know. I think Jason Garrett's going to have to answer the call at some point.
1: I mean, at some point, when does he stop becoming like a casino host? Like, he's, <laughs> is he hoping that Dan Quinn goes and plays the slot?
0: I don't know. Like, what
1: is he trying to do? Is he, is he going to comp him room and beverage or what? Like, I don't understand it. Like, he's just an opponent. Like, what is he politicking for? I mean, is he kissing babies too on the sideline? Like, at some point, here's what drives me crazy about the Clapper is at some point he's the head coach of the team. And he's watching this game and he sees Chaz Green not be able to block mm-hmm. Adrian Claiborne, who has six. I've never heard of a player get six sacks in a game. Like, I've never heard of it before. Okay? Like, I i know it's happened, but like six is like, it's like hitting three three run homers. Like, how often does that happen, right? And like at some point, wouldn't you say in your headset after the second sack, you'd say, hey, look, I'm tired of watching Claiborne kick Chaz Green's ass. <laughs> Make sure we get a guy over there. Now, had you know, I'm watching the Patriot game tonight. You know, Ladarius Waddle is over at right tackle. You don't think they're helping him against? I mean, Von Miller didn't get didn't get a sack tonight. Brady was fine because what they did during the week was the number one the only, number one way we're going to lose the game is if Von Miller strips sacks Brady and causes turnovers. So that's the number one way to lose. Okay. Yep. So they what what do they do? They make sure that they don't let that happen. Well, it's the same thing in Dallas. Like at some point, when does when does the clapper say? We're going to protect Chaz Green. He knew, he knew Tyrod Smith wasn't going to play. He knew it. He knew it. I mean, we didn't know it until Friday afternoon, but he knew he wasn't going to play. And at some point, when is he going to do it? Like that's the thing that drives me crazy about him. Like people defend him. Like I'm not picking on the guy, but be ahead. If you're not calling the offensive plays and you're not calling the defensive plays and you're in charge of and you're not calling special teams plays, then do something. And call and make sure the game plan's set up so your team has a chance to win it.
0: So what can he call there? I mean, obviously you get a guy like Rod Smith or Alfred Morris to chip him, right? That's all you would do. No,
1: he goes. He goes hey, look. You know, basically, look. Let's just get in the left-hand formation. Let's mix things up a little bit. Let's make sure we're doing. You know, we're chipping him on the way out. We'll do. You know, we'll we'll mix it up. We'll have two backs in the backfield sometimes. We'll be in a left-hand formation sometimes. Sometimes we'll be in this. Sometimes we'll be in that. But whatever we do before we go out in a route, before we make a throw we are going to make damn sure we're chipping our way through and we're going to work it cuz he if we don't block him we can't have a pass the game and that's what happened and that's what drives me crazy and they lose Sean Lee today to a hamstring like mm-hmm. Sean Lee is a really good player Sean Lee has no durability whatsoever i mean he's a killer right so yep. when you know, Sean, they can't,
0: yeah, when he's not out there, I mean, the Cowboys are obviously a totally different defense, and especially when Jalen Jalen Smith moves over to that middle linebacker spot, it's a glaring difference between when Sean Lee is out there and when Smith's, you know, the one calling everything out. I
1: mean, he's just it, it, it's they're there are like I think Dallas's defense is really good when Sean Lee's in the game, and I think they're just rank and file when he's not. And mm-hmm. so you know, you don't have him in there, you got to play a certain style. And yet they can't play that style. It's just really ridiculous. Like, I don't understand, like, he loses to Green Bay at home last year. People let him off the hook. Well, it's okay, you know. Like, at some point, when does the guy become a head coach and just not clap? That's why he has to nickname the Clapper. You know, now these are the hard decisions. Like, if you're, if you're John Mara and you're looking at Ben McAdoo, that's not a hard decision. I mean, Parcells said today, I don't know if you listened to it, but Chris Myers called Bill Parcells today and said, you know he had a talk with Bill Parcells and Bill Parcells said I have great pride about the franchise. I love the Giants. I always I'm always will always be a giant. It's my first head coaching job. and I'm sure the owners of the Giants will do the right thing. Well, I'm not trying to talk for B- Bill Parcells whatsoever, but that's very clear that Parcells is saying it's obvious you got to make a change, right? Yep, it's time. Well, that's not obvious and it's not obvious in Dallas. but what' becomes obvious is if you're paying somebody five million dollars a year, and he, or six million or seven million, whatever you 're paying him to be your head coach, you want him to set up the game so that you get a chance to win and When you let a guy get sacked six times and your quarterback 's getting a shit kicked out of him, like that 's on you there 's a saying in coaching you 're either coaching it or allowing it to happen and Garrett stood there and allowed it to happen. It really is coaching malpractice
0: it 's b- coaching malpractice. <laughs> It was really tough. And I will say for Adrian Claiborne, I mean, the last guy to do this was O.C. eumann in 2007, six sacks. He had two forced fumbles to go along with those six sacks. It was a big day for Iowa football between C.J. Beathard and, uh, and Adrian Claiborne. So congrats to all the Hawkeye fans out there. But uh, I will say this, Adrian Claiborne sh- should send some money to Tyron Smith just to say thank you for, for giving him the leeway today to He's get, their get six the 6-6.
1: He's going to get whatever his Pro Bowl bonuses he should give. To, no, he should give it to the Clapper. <laughs> because the Clapper refused to put somebody else over there. I'm sure the Clapper will go over and greet him. I'm sure the Clapper went over to Claiborne and greeted him. Said, what a great game he played and probably looked at him and said, Weren't you ever going to double me, you dummy? <laughs> like, wasn't somebody coming over? Like, I kept looking for a chip. Like, like why wouldn't you chip the guy? Like, it's like everybody's on TV talking. I feel like bad talking about it because it's so obvious. But if it was so obvious, why didn't the clapper just chip him? I don't it's know. It's unbelievable. It was
0: a weird day. Even when Mike Nugent hit the, the field goal up, right? When they could have cut it to 10, 17 to 10, when he missed but that. I
1: have no faith in Mike Nugent. <laughs> I, when he sends Mike Nugent out there, like I have no faith in Mike teacher. Like I have no faith in him. Like I, I you know, it's like he can't do it. Like
0: it's good PR for Dan Bailey.
1: Right. Oh, no doubt. And and all this is PR for all this is PR for the incompetence of really Jason Garrett. I mean, if he doesn't have all his players he can't coach. That's the, that's the bottom line. He can't figure out a different way to play the game if he doesn't have his full team. If, and if, to me, that doesn't make what a great coach is.
0: No, absolutely not. Uh, and let's do some. I old. mean,
1: it's like, like okay. <laughs> I'm gonna no. I one more. Insult I want you to I keep have. going. I,
0: keep insulting him. <laughs> I'm having fun. Can
1: we? No, I'm not. I'm not, I'm done with. I'm done with the clapper. The clapper's Dallas's problem now. I mean, he I, he's on them. I mean, at some point. At some point, can we stop calling Denver's
0: defense great? Oh, yeah. Can we do that, please? Yes, that, that's that been the big thing. I mean, they were talking about it in the game. Even, even a- Collinsworth tonight said that. He, he said this team was supposed to be beat, built around running the football and the defense as an A-class team and an elite defense that could win a Super Bowl on its own. And the quarterback is basically a manager or facilitator of the game. And when the defense can't step up, obviously the offense helps the defense, but they're not they're not what they were when they went to Super Bowl 50, obviously. It's a, it's a totally different defense.
1: Oh, no, and I wonder how much they're going to, you know, look, I wonder how much they're going to tolerate Vance Joseph. Like, oh, I yeah. wonder if he's not on the hot seat.
0: Yeah, Elway doesn't look very happy up in the box. They keep doing the cutaways up there. Well, no, there. because
1: Elway, I mean, look, Elway hires somebody that he could, Elway wants to be Al Everybody always wants to be Al Davis, and that's what Elway wants to be. He wants to be Al Davis. And, I mean, he just got beat at home. He's been beat at home by the New York football Giants. Ben McAdoo, and he's beat at home by the Patriots. He gave up fifty-one and forty-one. He's gave up ninety-two points in the last two weeks. You can't tell me that that's a that's a great defense. And, and, and it was, and they were, got, and they got out coached in every phase. I mean, like like the perfect example of that game for me was if you watch that game closely. This is what makes the Patriots so effective: is they know the defense of the Broncos better than the Broncos actually know. Mm-hmm. The first touchdown pass that Burrow came underneath. Okay. We didn't hear this on television, but what happens is they know that guy's a man-to-man. But when Grock runs up the field, he takes the two defenders with him, and the linebacker, once he gets to ten yards, stops and turns back because he's turning them over to the safety. They're not tripling Grock; they're doubling Grock, right? Gotcha. Okay. Well, the Patriots know that he's carrying him for ten, so they run him for ten, mm-hmm. and by that time, Burkhead's cut across the middle, and the middle's wide open. So what they're doing is attacking the adjustments to the coverage. So what I'm saying to you is Josh McDaniels knows Vance Joseph's defense as well as Vance Joseph knows it. Like if you put Josh McDaniels in a room and said, teach me the Denver Bronco defense and how they play it and what's their adjustments, he would have it stone cold. And that's the key to being successful on offense is not know the defense but know the adjustments to the defense. Well, And that play right there, that that first touchdown pass, was the exact what I'm talking about, which people don't really see on television as much, is that's an attacking the adjustments to their defense.
0: Sounds like the Broncos need to be uh, bring Josh McDaniels back at this point. Why not?
1: <laughs> yeah, cause they, they he sure knows their defense the already. Coaches, yeah, he, he knows it better than he probably knows it better than some of the Broncos coaches. Anyway, <laughs> let's give out some awards, Tate Frazier.
0: <laughs> let's do it. First up, we got time to go in the lamb and we've already mentioned the Clapper, but let's talk about his team.
1: Yeah, I, I think he's in trouble. I mean, he's got Philly coming in this week. Mm-hmm. If he doesn't have – I mean, Philly, Philly really has got the four-leaf clover right now. I mean, let's be honest. He's got he, – if he doesn't have Sean Lee against Philly, it's aw- – I mean, there's no way they could slow Philly down. I mean, I don't think they could slow Philly down with Sean Lee. But if he doesn't, it's time for him to get his toothbrushes and go on the lam. I mean, I think the clapper needs to go on the lam. I don't think there's any doubt about it.
0: Absolutely, and I mean, what happens this year if the Cowboys go from a fourteen and two season and knock all the way back to not making the playoffs? I mean, obviously, Jerry Jones is—you know—he's not waiting around. You know, he doesn't have five to ten years to try to groom a program. He's trying to win now, so I think some big changes will be made.
1: I think he's going to ask himself the question: Do we have a head coach who can game plan? It's one thing to beat bad teams; it's another thing to be be able to play a chess game and win the chess match. Do we have a chess coach? And I don't think he does.
0: We definitely don't have Bobby Fisher. That's for sure.
1: No, we no. He, we
0: were in search of. It went in the movie
1: in search of Bobby Fisher.
0: Yes, sir. That is. We need to find him. They need to find him. They need to find some sort of variation in Dallas. Uh, after all this stuff. Uh, next up, we have the Fred Palermo Award, and that's going to go out to the New Orleans Saints. What a game plan today from Sean. Great Payton. game
1: plan. Yeah, they really did. They, they did a great. Game. They didn't. They didn't try to get creative. They just came in there with a really like Fred would have been proud of them. They came in with a reduced menu. They had very few things on the list. They ran inside zone out, they ran their stuff, and they just beat up on Buffalo and they dominated the line of scrimmage. I, I was really, I thought Buffalo was a better team in terms of being able to create some turnovers, and especially since since McDermott knew, knows Peyton's offense. But this is a different New Orleans offense than in the past. This is more of a power offense than it was a finesse one. And with Armstead back at left tackle, uh, my hat's off to New Orleans. I think they're really good.
0: All right, final one. If you don't know, now you know, and that's our boy, Case Keenum.
1: Yeah, everybody keeps thinking Teddy Bridgewater's coming back. I mean, I, look, I think Case Keenum's played better than any quarterback's played in Minnesota for a while. You should enjoy and relish him. I mean, two of the Ram quarterbacks, Jared Goff's playing good, Case Keenum's playing good. Neither of them could play good for Jeff Fisher last year. Both of them are playing good this year. I take, I think that's when you go on the road and you beat a good team, I think the Redskins, who just beat Seattle in Seattle last week, and you put 38 on them, and now I know they're beat up, and I know they were hurt, my hat's off to yeah, you. I think you did a hell of a job.
0: So let me ask you this, Lombardi. you got a situation here. So Case Keenum, after the game, they're asking him about, uh, you know, the Teddy Bridgewater situation. He says, you know, he's he brings a, a certain factor of cool in the room in the quarterback room. I have a Teddy Bridgewater jersey at home. I'm a fan of Teddy Bridgewater. He says all this stuff, uh, all this fanfare, as if he is, you know, basically putting it out there that teddy is the number one he is the number two but he's obviously playing at this high level right now zimmer is a fan of bridgewater obviously dating back to 2014 and when they made the playoff run and everything um i don't know it just seems like a weird predicament now where every week there's going to be questions you know if case keenum comes out and puts up a dud everyone's going to want to see teddy i mean how much how, how much of a leash does keenum have with zimmer right now or is it sort of if he's not performing we have bridgewater to throw in and see what happens
1: I think he's got a significant leash. I think he'll have one. I mean, because remember, Teddy has a play. We don't know what Teddy is. The unknown is always something we love in the NFL. The backup quarterback's always somebody we love until he has to go play. I think the way Keenum's playing and the way their teams respond to Keenum, I think they all know he's playing pretty well. I think they're in a great situation. I mean, they have two quarterbacks that they like. Now, whether they have two good quarterbacks, I don't know that because I haven't seen Teddy play in over a year. So I don't know if they have two good quarterbacks, but I know they have two good quarterbacks that they like in Minnesota. That's important.
0: I think that that'll be really interesting to watch because Zimmer, uh, as much as he doesn't want to show it, I think he really has a soft spot for Teddy Bridgewater. So, um, I no
1: th- I think they all do. I think they all know how hard that injury was. I think they saw what he did, and you know, and and they uh, and they saw he's overcome that, and I think they're all impressed by it.
0: I love Teddy Two Gloves. I hope we see him again. Uh, you know,
1: and- the other guy we should have insulted today is John Fox. Did you see what John Fox did today? <sighs>
0: It, I feel like Fox... You didn't, I'm going to tell you. Yeah.
1: <laughs> All right, so I, I don't know what back it was, but there was a, a back was caught a pass running down the sideline, stuck the ball out, looked like he touched the pylon, and then the ball came out. So they ruled him out of bounds on the two-yard line. Fox challenges the play, okay?
2: Uh-huh.
1: He challenges the play. Now, what do they do? They overturn his challenge and rule with a fumble, and the Packers get the ball back.
0: Yeah, it was a touchback. It was a touchback. Right? Yes, exactly. but they
1: weren't going to rule it a touchback. And now, if the Packers would have challenged, it, they would have ruled it. But, <laughs> but the Packers didn't. I mean, McCarthy didn't do it. And then, not to be outdone, my man Hugh Jackson. Did you see this in the in a Detroit game?
0: With the by uh, the way,
1: Matthew Stafford was with this quarterback sneak.
0: Yes. Yeah. Before the half or whatever.
1: Before the half. I yes. mean, that's you just you can't make this up. You can't make this up. No I mean, timeouts. Like, really. No timeouts.
0: Yeah, a QB sneak. What was it? Seven seconds left with no timeouts, and they run a QB sneak with Kaiser. Yeah,
1: I, went, I think it was 19 seconds, but by the time they came out from the pile, I mean, you know, you got that pile up. Guys, you know, they don't get off the ground too fast. I mean, you just can't really, you can't make this up.
0: It was so crazy because then Kaiser came to the sideline and uh, and Hugh was basically reprimanding him, and I could see Kaiser was just sort of confused <laughs> as to as to what he was really supposed to do there because you know he would, I mean he got hit three yards behind the the goal line anyway on the QB sneak they pretty much had jammed the line anyway and knew it was coming so I don't know poor Hugh I don't know we keep telling him to go in the lamb, but he keeps showing up every week so
1: He's, he never brings a <laughs> toothbrush though. Yeah.
0: that's very true All right. uh, before we get out of here tomorrow night we have the Carolina Panthers uh, they're at home facing the Miami Dolphins Um, this will be a game to see if the Carolina Panthers who are right now uh, they're the 5th seed and I think the Seahawks are the 6th seed they're both in the wild card spots with 6 wins we'll see uh, if the Panthers are a legitimate team that can show up for this game in week 10 or you know maybe the Miami Dolphins have something more that we haven't seen yet Um, but I don't know this will be an interesting game is there anything we should watch out for?
1: I I think if Keekly plays I mean the, the Carolina's a way different team with Keek Lee on the field.
0: Same with Sean Lee with the Cowboys.
1: Shame with Sean Lee. I mean, it's the same thing. I think it's fascinating. I mean, look, you know, Philadelphia, New Orleans, the Rams, Minnesota, they're all good teams. I think Carolina's. there's five good teams in the NFC, right? Mm -hmm. And then Seattle and Dallas, I'm not sure where they are. In the AFC, it's New England, it's Tennessee, Jacksonville, it's Pittsburgh, it's Kansas City, and then everybody else is kind of playing. I mean, it's really a league of about ten teams, maybe yep and those wild cards are going to be fat like Dallas losing today to Atlanta I mean that's a wild card spot you yep. know they got to hope that they have a one game advantage or else they're out of it you know so I think that's why this Carolina game is really important Miami I don't think Miami is a very good team all the numbers say they're not a good team and when you watch them on tape they're not a good team so this is to me and Carolina they're playing at home right it's yep. a home game for Carolina yep
0: it is it's in Carolina uh, yeah
1: so they should I mean like look Miami's offensive line they shouldn't travel well. And Cutler on the road, I I like Carolina.
0: I would, too. I would say the only thing to watch out for uh, the Panthers is if Ryan Khalil does not play, then um, that could cause some problems for Cam. But if he's out there, then things will go according to plan, I'm sure. But it'll be a fun one. It'll be another uh, Monday night football game. Hopefully it will be more entertaining than the past few we've had. So we'll see what happens, Mr. Lombardi. This has been fun. Week 10. All right, safe, Fraser. The playoff picture is sort of it's sort of panning out, right? We're starting to see who the real teams are. It's been fun.
1: Yeah, I think we are. I, I think there's a complete separation. There's so many teams. Like I don't know how you you know you can start the the, the 32nd team with Cleveland, but it could be it could be the Giants. It could. I mean, there's so much competition for the 20 to 32 spots in the NFL right now. Mm-hmm. That could be. I mean, Denver could be down there. I mean, look, Denver. I mean, who who says Denver's any good? I mean, you get smoked by at home by the Giants. You get smoked by you know. I mean, so, I, I don't know. The bottom 20, from 20 to 32, you could make one team 20, you could make one team 32. I don't know who's worse. Can you imagine that conversation? Who's the worst team? You could say it's the Browns. You could say it's the, the Giants. You know, I don't know. I, I, you could argue it back and forth. I think there are a lot of bad teams.
0: I think there's a lot of bad teams, and there's a lot of teams in the middle, but then there's the Philadelphia Eagles at the top. So, congrats to Philadelphia, they did it all the way, <laughs> all the way. way. Uh, there, that is another edition of GM Street, part of the Ringer Podcast Network. I am Tate Frazier, and this is Mr. Mike Lombardi live from New Jersey. Thank you for calling in. That was a great, uh, arousing edition of GM Street. I will talk to you tomorrow, my man. Perfect. We'll we'll be back on Wednesday. Tune in. Thanks again to Home Depot Husky Tools. In 1924, Husky started making things for people who make things, and they did it with common sense. That meant adding function, never frills, and making tools that stood the test of time. 93 years later, wow, it's a long time, Husky's still making quality, crafted, durable tools, including hand tools that are guaranteed for life. Learn more at www.huskytools.com. Husky Tools, found only at the Home Depot.